That was a dramatic light switch. All right. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, as I shared earlier, this, this passage, um, it's a popular one. And um, maybe the first half is not quite as popular as the second half because we, we don't sing songs about the first half. We end up singing songs about the fruit of the Spirit. The deeds of the flesh, not many people are singing songs about it. I don't know that you noticed that. You know, that we're going to see why here in a minute. It's not, not too much fun, but um, we are going to be closing out the, uh, the fifth chapter of Galatians, and next week we'll take a breeze through over chapter six. There's a lot of good things in chapter six, uh, and we will... Uh, kind of take a summary view of it. And that's what we've been doing with this. Now, it's one of those things you have to be careful of when you come into a passage like Galatians chapter 5, because everybody who's been in church has probably heard it. And you can really start getting very pharisaical about it. And I understand that you know, that was an interesting topic in one of our Sunday school classes this morning. Because what we'll start doing is we'll start picking apart the minutia of it. And the minutia is, is important. I mean, you know, we want to make sure that we are, uh, are not doing, uh, do, we are doing the right things and we aren't doing the wrong things. That, that's admirable. Those are things we should probably try to live out in our lives. But if we start digging into each one of these individually, we're going to, first of all, we're going to be there a really long time. And secondly, we're going to forget that in verse 14, Paul summed up the entirety of the law with one word, as he said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so he, he now draws us to this place where he does some fleshing out, some explaining of what that means, but we'll, we'll really cause ourselves some har- a hard time if we don't remind ourselves that it is the, the, the law is ful- fulfilled in the fact that we are to love one another. And that is where we will kind of dwell today. There are a lot of things I want to touch on, and um, we have a lot to, to get through. So let's stand up and let's look at verses uh, 16 through 26 of Galatians chapter 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Challenging path that you will... Um, You'll show us really how to live by the spirits. I pray that we would love one another as you loved us, that we lay down our preferences before the throne and realize that you have given us life by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
How many of you know how many laws there are in the United States Code? Say, I don't know, Pastor. Why don't you tell me? I'm glad you asked that question because I did this Google search today. And then uh, this is actually uh, from August 15th. 2017. So that's an article from Forbes from five years ago, and this is just a summary. Now, in the period between 1995 and then the end of 2016, there have been 88,899 federal rules and regulations passed. Laws, it's a little less. It's only, in quotes, they say only, 4,312. So in a 21-year period, in our nation's recent history, 4,300 laws were passed. Now, what is the likelihood that you broke one of those laws? I'd say 100%. Now, The next question is, does Congress even know what they passed? All right, now I'm going to go there. (laughs) Hold on. There's one more thing I want to show you, or if I I didn't lose it. Um, The most, uh, this will be paraphrased because I forgot to leave it up on my phone. I know those phones, man. Um, I also looked up at the most recent law, that one of the most recent things that was passed. The most recent uh, large-scale uh, stimulus package, which they've been passing them like crazy, but in December of 2020, going into 2021, that single act, I forget what the name was, is some kind of crazy name they applied to all those things, was more than 5,000 pages, $2.3 trillion involved in that. So, here's the thing about humans. We like rules. If we didn't like them, we wouldn't have seen... 89,000 rules passed and 4,300 laws passed. We wouldn't be electing these people to do all these things. Now, we might say we don't like them, but the fact is is that we like rules when they benefit us, right? Whatever it may be. And you can get into all the different details on that. But uh, what we really need to realize is that we do nothing more than make it complicated for ourselves more and more all the time. We are really good at making it complicated for ourselves. When the law was instituted in the Old Testament, how many were there? Ten commandments. Not suggestions. Not, you know, ten commandments. God said, don't do these things. All right. By the time you get to Leviticus, there were 275 that were put in for the priest to fulfill. Isn't that ballpark of numbers anyway? You see, we we tend to add to things. We tend to make it harder on ourselves. And one of the nice things about what Jesus has done for us, one of the best things that Jesus has done for us, is that he narrowed all of those down to two, 
right? Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul just brings that one passage there in verse 14. Now, it doesn't mean that we aren't to know what is right and what is wrong. The fact is, is that we probably can figure it out just by examining the situation. And that's what Paul does for us in the first half of this passage. Again, we don't sing many songs about this passage. It doesn't roll off the tongue, right? We see that uh, the, the command here then from Paul in the Christian life is to walk by the Spirit and will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The law is evidence of the desires of the flesh. It shows us what is right and what is wrong. And and in verse 17, he does one of those preacher things where he tells you one side and then tells you the other, and then he says it again. Verse 17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Easy enough. We can see that the flesh, the things that we do, are in opposition to the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit. And then just to make sure we got it right, he says it in reverse. The desires of the Spirit's, are against the flesh. Didn't he just say that? He said it in the opposite. And now he says it again. For these are opposed to one another. (laughs) You better get the point. Paul wants to make sure you know what's going on. And he says, they keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Now, one of my, you know, normal greetings for people and, and say, hey, are you behaving yourself? And the usual response is something like, well, what fun would that be? right? We don't have to try to fulfill the desires of the flesh. You don't have to teach yourself how to sin, right? We can just do that. We have tempers, they'll pop off right away, and, and, and that shows us that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And all we have to do is just examine ourselves in in a few moments and realize that we'll have all of these different problems that we have to face. And um, I heard this story. It's probably Alistair Begg told it. He he was telling the story about a guy who hadn't sinned in five days, and he goes and he tells his preacher, and, and his preacher says, well, how does that make you feel? Well, that makes me feel pretty good about myself. There you go. There goes pride. Pride's our, ma- our downfall, right? When we think we have it together, is most likely the moment that we're going to fall flat on our face. We think we know what's going on. We always have to be mindful of what can trip us up, what can cause us problems. We see that the Word is described in Psalm 119 as a great praise to the Word of the Lord. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, Right? It's the next step ahead. You don't want to get too too crazy. You want to pay attention to what you're doing in the moment because if you don't, you might fall and break your ankle on the church lawn. Not that that ever happened to me. Anyway, you have to pay attention to what you're doing or else bad things can happen. That's why we have all of these rules. Now, we see lots of different things that are divided up here. I kind of wrote down, as I was studying this week, so I brought this notebook up. I got my phone from this side. I got my notebook on this side. If you can't read this, neither can I. 
Don't worry. It's my own handwriting. I actually have notes in my Bible this morning, and I said, what was I right? Okay. Anyway, so we have basically three different categories here. Here are Greg's categories. I put sensual, emotional, and physical. Sensual would be sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, carousing, all those things that we, they put on that way. Emotional would be hatred, strife, jealousy, anger, selfish ambitions, and envy. Physical, idolatry, sorcery, dissensions, factions, drunkenness. And, and uh, then I, I looked at, at some other uh, writers, and Warren Wiersbe classified them in, with S's because preachers have to alliterate, right? Sensual, social, and superstitious. We easily fall into the trap of any of those things. And when you start talking about things that are sin, again, we start having to narrow it down so that we can remember what sin is. Generally, basically, sin is anything that we do that is not honoring to God. Anything that breaks God's law. So it's anything that is about us instead of being about him. And that's a challenge because all of a sudden I've got to think about everything that I'm doing. But Paul doesn't leave it there for us. See, we have this big grouping in verses 19 through 21. And he gives us this warning at the end of it. It says, if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the, and the, the tense there is that if it is a habit, it, if, it, if it is who you are, you do not belong in the kingdom. We, uh, as believers, are called to live in a way that blesses Christ. And so we can see this list here, and, and some people want to dive into each one of those things and start nitpicking and seeing, well, what is this and what is that? The, question, the real thing for me as I come to look at it is if you have to ask and you start picking it apart, you've probably figured out what the problem is. It's, it's that we want to classify things in one level versus another. But it's pretty black and white. The desires of the flesh are obvious, as he shows here in verses 19 through 21. And if we focus our lives on the desires of our flesh, then we are not citizens of the kingdom of God. I didn't say it. Paul said it. Now, the opposite is what happens when we trust the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is. It doesn't say are. It does in the first part, in verse 19, it says the works of the flesh are evident. It says the fruit of the Spirit is this. So then you have this list that we'll get to, get to here in a moment. We need to realize that when we submit our lives to the control of the Holy Spirit, to receive, when we trust Christ as our Savior, it's a totally different ballgame on how we live and how we behave. Okay? We have given our, our desires over to what is real, what is eternal, and that is showing the citizenship of the kingdom. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He tags on there, against such things there is no law. Nobody has a problem with any of those kinds of things right there. And when we start talking about love in that, it talks about the sacrificial love that Christ gave himself for. 
He gave himself so that we would have eternal life. It's that giving up of ourselves. It's not fulfilling our own desires. It's giving up our own desires. It's the opposite. So it starts there. And we can pick those things apart, but again, that's not really the point, I believe, where we're coming here. Now, I, I have my rule book with the kids, right? And, and we think about the, all those rules that we, we hear about that were passed, that are passed every year by our local bodies and our legislature and our, and our Congress. And we think, how are we ever going to follow all of those? And what becomes is a whole bunch of loopholes and how we can get past all of those. And Paul eliminates that for us through the love of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is this. So what we have are two evidences, two sides of the coin, the flesh versus the Spirit, and a warning and what follows. And I started thinking about the picture, and one of the illustrations, again, in, in, in hearing different people talk about these passages, was the picture of a lawkeeper, a peacekeeper, for, for lack of a better term, a policeman. And I'm not trying to get political here, and I'm not talking about all those kind of things, and who does what in this. But one of the ways that you deal with the problem of the legal code is that you have a peacekeeper. You have somebody who is present, who can sum up the law and realize if it's been broken. And so if we look at all that whole list of the carousing, all the drunkenness, all these different kinds of things, you can see that people would get arrested or, or you know, whatever. And then you have the, uh, the legal system that plays out after that. But if you're going to an event or you're hosting an event and you want the event to go smoothly and you want all the rules to be followed... What is the best way to see that happen? Do you have the list of the rules, 4,312? Or do you have a peacekeeper present? Which do you think would work better? Having the peacekeeper there. In the picture of looking at what Christ has done for us, he offers us the counselor, the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit guides us to fulfill the law. To live according to the Spirit is to realize that He has called our consciences to obedience in His sacrifice. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, we need to realize that what we do and what we say should reflect what Christ has done for us on the cross. That He has paid the price for our sin. So why would we then re-engage that sin intentionally? We do it accidentally easily enough. Right? We don't have to try. We just do it. And so when we start looking at the law, life under the law versus life in the Spirit, we can see that the Holy Spirit serves uh, serves the church in empowering us to fulfill the love of Christ. And there's warnings all along the way it start, after that. We can see in verse 24, he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This 
sounds like a reflection of verse 20, or chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in, lives in me. But it's actually going back to when Christ speaks in the Gospels of taking up our cross daily and following Him. It's realizing instead of this place of salvation, it is now an act of holiness, of, of, of becoming holy, that we would choose to do the things that honor God. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love, joy, and peace, they're kinds of states of being, right? But once you start talking about patience, I mean, that's really when it starts hurting, right? One of the words I read along the way, and it's probably present in a translation or two out here, is long-suffering or forbearance. Words we don't necessarily use in the vernacular today. But I like that picture of long-suffering. It's, it's enduring things that are difficult to the glory of God. And we might think of something in our lives that we have been dealing with for a long time, but I even think it in, in, the, in the light of persecution, in the suffering of the church. To realize that sometimes we endure things that are just really hard to get through. And again, in America, persecution is relative. Because here we are, at our own will, in a facility to worship the Lord together on a Sunday morning. When you go into a place communist country perhaps where or an, or an islamic country where it's not legal to be a christian that that can you can see real persecution that kind of forbearance that kind of long suffering that puts a different perspective on it and dealing in with those who persecute you he says kindness goodness faithfulness faithfulness to whom faithfulness to the lord faithfulness to his church and then that one, our gentleness in, in dealing with each other, that one at the end that I think is probably the greatest challenge for all of us in the Spirit-filled life, that is self-control. That means we, we submit ourselves to what God wants. That's a tough, tough spot to be because we all desire to do the things that we want. He follows that up. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We should examine our lives for the things we see in verses 19 through 21. And we can ping on the big ones if you want to, but there's plenty of little ones there too. And it only takes one sin to put Christ on the cross. The wage of sin is death. We need to examine our hearts and realize the things we need to crucify to put on the cross that Christ bears our sin. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is what we should desire. And the warning that keeps coming back, he had it in verse 15. It says, if you divide and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Here we see another warning in verses 25 and 26, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That means we're paying attention to the Word of the Lord and how, to work, uh, how it fleshes out in our life, how, 
in, in a good way, how it, how it works itself out in our lives, how it changes us into the image of Christ. But again, he has that warning, let us not become conceited. Pride is a problem. Look how good I'm doing. We should never be in that place. Because that's when we'll trip up. And it's devastating to our relationships with one another. It provokes, we provoke each other in that, and we envy one another. We come back to that place where we, will be, we have to be careful how we treat each other. So there were real problems in the Galatian church. There were things that were just at odds with, with the Christian life. And the ultimate thing was that they, the, it came to a place of the flesh versus the spirits. Do we want to keep following all these rules and hope we do good enough? Or are we going to submit our lives to the the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and live it out in a way that blesses Him? He's summing all these things up. He's drawing us together to be reminded that it's easy to get tripped up in this world. You can't get consumed with the rules because we're never going to follow all of them perfectly. Doesn't mean we shouldn't try to do good. He says that right there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But that is evidence of Christ at work in us. And Colossians, just a few pages later, calls that Christ in us. That is the hope of glory. That is the eternity that is promised to us. There is nothing that you and I can do in our own flesh that can bless God. It's only through submission to His Spirit and allowing Him to work through us. And There's always going to be a tension in this life. We're always going to have struggles. We're always going to have trials. We're always going to have different ideas than the person next to us and how it's supposed to be lived out. But we must submit our lives to the authority of the Spirit and His Word to bless Him. So how do you tie that up in a bow? That's always the question of the message. How do we live it out? Well, examine your own heart. Examine, I'm, I've got to examine my heart. Am I getting caught up in rules? Am I trying to to live out what I want to happen? Or am I submitting my life to the authority of Christ and His Spirit, working through His Word, working through the church, and trusting Him to lead us and guide us to reach people for the Gospel? I'm going to bring this up in the business meeting too, but uh, yesterday... Uh, we had a, a training talk with some folks from uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship about um, about starting a good news club at, at Columbian School. Uh, one of the statistics that's been screaming at me, and it's not it's not a new statistic, but it, since the meeting yesterday, is that 85 percent of those who call themselves Christians right at this moment came to faith as a child. That shows me some ways that I need 
to, to change how I share my faith. It's not that I shouldn't be telling everybody, you know, I can about it, but the understanding, the obedience, the submission to the Spirit to love children, to tell kids about the saving love of Jesus Christ. One of the challenges we have in our world is that we, we see generations growing up that don't even know the name of Jesus. How can we submit our lives to proclaim that? How do we apply that to our hearts and our lives when we see those kinds of things happening? I think the fruit of the Spirit is a big part of that. We submit our lives to the Lord to tell everyone about the love of Christ. Anyway, that was a little application and probably a little off topic, but it's just what I got to thinking about in submitting my life to Christ is don't waste the opportunities that are before me. And that's where we are right now is what do we do with this? How do we trust Him? How will you trust Him today and be led by the Spirit? Let's pray. Our Lord, You are good to us. I pray, God, that as we... um, we learn your word, as we walk in your will, that we would continue to trust you, to, to grow in your grace, to realize that um, we cannot do it ourselves. Lord, I pray that we would submit our lives to your Spirit, to realize that is the way the law is fulfilled pray for each person here that we would realize the heaviness of the task that is before us, but the power that we have in you to proclaim the good news. Thank you for your goodness, for your grace. I pray that you would teach us to submit our lives to you, to crucify our desires. to live in a way that blesses you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. The altar's open.